As is custom, uh, on the last Sunday of the month, we usually uh, have a singing for our Bible class and a theme lesson for our lesson. We've been going over, as was read by Richard, Second uh, Peter 1, and what it means to partake in the divine nature and the various aspects therein. We've talked about uh, faith, and we've talked about virtue, and now we're talking about knowledge. Um, as we talk about knowledge, well, uh, by, by a show of hands, who in here knows who Ty Lopez is? Has anybody in here heard of Ty Lopez? We got one. Um, that's good, that's good. Uh, Ty Lopez, he, he had some words on knowledge. He had, he had some words to, to give, and I, I thought we could take a look at those words real quick. Um, I'd like to share this with you. It's a 26 second video to get us started here as we really talk about knowledge. It'll put us in the right, the right frame of, uh, of ideas. This is Ty Lopez and his first 26 seconds here. Here in my garage, just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. Fun to drive up here in the Hollywood Hills. But you know what I like a lot more than materialistic things? Knowledge. In fact, I'm a lot more proud of these seven new bookshelves that I had to get installed to hold 2,000 new books that I bought. It's like the billionaire Warren Buffett says, the more you learn, the more you earn. Now to quote from um, a, certain, a certain user, on uh, who Ty Lopez is. <clears throat> Quote, Ty came from nothing, defrauded some folks with fake dating sites, and moved on to better scams by joining a syndicate and hitting it big on social media. That's more or less the truth. Ty, Ty Lopez, is a, he's a scam artist, as you could probably tell by his, here's my Lamborghini and my book, and I read a book every day and all these kinds of things. But uh, he, he was always talking about how knowledge is the key. Knowledge, you have to, you have to do this, you have to do that. And he's a... Uh, He's, he's actually been very good at what he does. In fact, a lot of people still follow him as he successfully gleans money from their back. Um, but we know that there is true merit to knowledge. We know this. We know the Bible talks about knowledge all the time. We see it read over here in Second Peter. We see it talked about all the time throughout Proverbs. Uh, we understand the value of knowledge at George State University. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm there. That's why Jelani is there. That's why a number of you have your degrees. That's, we pursue knowledge. So there has to be some true merit to it. While Ty Lopez might define knowledge as Lamborghinis and bookshelves, uh, Google Dictionary has a couple of different words. It says knowledge is facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education. The theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. And then it goes on in a different definition to define it as awareness or familiarity gained by experience of a fact or situation. I'd like to uh, get back into Second Peter real quick. Uh, we're going to be opening our Bibles a lot this morning, so you know if you have yours with you, keep it open. Thank you, Richard, for reading verses one through eleven. We're going to focus down a little bit again on verses five through nine. That is Second Peter one, five through nine, and it reads, "But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue." to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. 
knowledge in this list of things that we are to add to partake in the divine nature is particularly unique because it's also mentioned at the end. It talks about us uh, not being unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as part of the end goal of these things. And, you know, we could go on about that and what that truly means and how all these things can bring you to a true knowledge. But in the most simplest of sense, when uh, knowledge is mentioned here, what is it talking about? What does it mean? What is knowledge? We assume that we have this understanding of the word, but what is it, what is it really? What, what makes knowledge different from wisdom? What is knowledge? Uh, the word that's used here, the Greek word, is gnosin, G-N-O-S-I-N, gnosin, which is from the word gnosis. Strong's defines it as, Strong's concordance as knowledge or doctrine or wisdom. His exhaustive concordance says that it's knowing, that is knowledge or science, something of that nature, a very, a very tangible form of knowledge. Helps word studies goes on and says how the word here, gnosin, gnosis, talks about a functional knowledge gleaned from firsthand experience, connecting theory to application. Application knowledge gained in a direct relationship. Thayer goes on and talks about gnosis by itself signifies, in general, intelligence and understanding. And how in this particular context, uh, where it referenced, like in 2 Peter 1.5, where it's being specifically used, it's talking about moral wisdom, such as seen in right living. That's, that's, that's what the word gnosis means. That's what it's used for. So with that understanding, let's, let's take a look at a couple other uses of that word gnosis within the New Testament. There's Luke 1, Luke 1, 76 and 77. In Luke 1, 76, it reads, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. This is, of course, a prophecy regarding, uh, Zechariah's prophecy regarding John the Baptist, who was to come. This is not even about Christ, this is about John the Baptist. And he's talking about how, as we know, John would be a forerunner. How John would go and give knowledge which, of well, that which was to come, of course, which would give even further knowledge. We find this word gnosis also used in 1 Corinthians 8. That is, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and verses 10 where it speaks and says, now concerning things offered to idols, we have that all we have, excuse me. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And then down in verse 10, it says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And of course, we understand the context of these verses in 1 Corinthians 8. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, regarding those who are eating food that's trying to be offered to idols. And how, if you have the knowledge and the understanding of the fact that an idol is nothing more than a, you know, a block of wood or a piece of stone, then you're all good because it's, you're not actually offering to anything. It's just an object. It's okay to eat the food and to be full. However, Paul was saying that for those who do not have that knowledge, it might bother their conscience, and for their sake, we ought not to do it. We understand the, the context there. And that's what, that's what that knowledge is. That's what, it's, it's an understanding of the difference between the two. We find the word used again in 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That word understanding is the same word in this context, gnosis, gnosin. 
Uh, this is, of course, is right after he talks to wives and then he's talking to husbands and he's telling husbands to, to dwell with them with understanding, to dwell with them with knowledge, to dwell with them with a, knowing the fact that you are, you're different and that she is to be under you and you are to take care of her. And, of course, the other things that the, 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 the context speaks of. But it's, it's, it's specifically a very kind of, of knowledge. It's, it's a practical knowledge. When it's listed in Second Peter 1, it's listed after virtue and before self-control. It goes faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control. And I think that's done very much on purpose. We see this illustrated greatly in the First Corinthians 8 example. Uh, add to your faith, that is to your belief. Once you have a certain foundational trust, a certain foundational belief in the Christian cause, add to that virtue. That is to do things for the right reason, to do things cause, to have, to have a virtuous spirit about yourself to have a right conscience, per se, and then to add to that knowledge. Let's say in the 1 Corinthians 8 example, you have that faith and you have that virtue, but if you have not yet that knowledge, then something such as eating meat that would have been offered to idols would irk you, it would bother you. However, if you have that knowledge, you would understand that it's okay to eat, which is why self-control then comes after that. Because even if you have that knowledge that it's okay to eat it, as we read in 1 Corinthians 8.10, you should refrain from eating it for the sake of your brother who might not have that knowledge. So it very specifically works in that order. You know, you need to have the right heart to do the right thing. And with the right <laughs> knowledge, you can do the right thing even better without perhaps hindering yourself or others. But for the sake of others, sometimes just because you know something doesn't mean you should do it. Hence the self-control that follows afterwards. So we've talked a little bit about what knowledge is. What is it? What is it? Knowledge or gnosis, which is used in this context, is specifically an application knowledge, a first-hand experience, uh, almost like a science, uh, a specific, you know, you understand that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And in the, uh, uh, in the uh, context of scripture, it's a moral wisdom, understanding things that are right, things that are wrong, understanding who Christ is, things like that. It's a very, very tangible form of knowledge, of understanding. We see it used regarding John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ. We see it used regarding idols and their sacrifices and what it's okay to do and what it's not okay to do. We see it regarding husbands and how they ought to be leaders for their wives. We see it used in a number, tens of other places throughout the Bible, but those are a few examples. We understand what this word means, this knowledge, what it is. So how do we get it? That's the second question. We know, now that we know what knowledge is, the second question is, how do we get this knowledge? Well, first we need a couple of materials. You know, let, let's head over to Proverbs. We'll be here for a little bit. Proverbs 1, verse 7, a verse that we're all very familiar with. Proverbs 1, 7 reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. Well, that's what, that's what we need to get started, the beginning. The first material that we need is the fear of the Lord, a fear of the Lord. That is a reverence and understanding of who he is. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy when we, when we talk, God, talk about God as quote-unquote, the man upstairs, uh, versus, that's, that's a very different understanding than what you see in scripture. You know, he's not just a man who's a floor above you, he's, he's a creator and a divine being that is a whole level of existence beyond ours. You, you, look at, you look at Moses, someone who followed him his whole life, cowering in fear behind a rock in the presence of God. You look at Abraham literally leaving all that he has because it is what the Lord says. You see entire groups of people, the Philistines fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You see all, you see Jesus Christ praying with sweat, with drops of blood, and with tears in the presence of God. God is, God is a being that is supposed to have, a, supposed to create a level of fear within us. A healthy fear, not necessarily a, 
uh, pee your pants kind of fear. But that kind of fear should bring you into reverence for the greatness that he is. So that you might have a certain fear of his power, but a certain respect and understanding of who he was and of who he is and of who he can be and of who he is to you, both as your God and as your savior. You know, it's, it's while we are made heirs and to be his friend, he is not equal with us. And a certain level of fear and understanding of that is the beginning of knowledge. You know, it's, it's very, the Bible talks about how the way of man is not within himself and how our own feet can lead us astray. But if you don't have that healthy fear of God, a healthy reverence of God, healthy understanding of the difference between you two, and if you put yourself in those shoes, it is very easy to believe you have knowledge when you're really out here buying Lamborghinis and bookshelves. It's very easy to think that you have a certain level of understanding that you don't have because you don't have that fear of the Lord. Part of, you know, scientists talk about all the time how the more they learn, the more they realize they don't know. Part of knowledge is knowing the things that are beyond you. But if you don't have that fear of the Lord, of that fear of the one thing that is the most beyond us, that is greater than us, then it's very easy to put yourself in that place and then to think you have knowledge when in reality you're a fool. And that, that applies to all of us, you know, from me going forward, how we need to make sure that we have a healthy fear of the Lord if we are to have knowledge. Otherwise, we're giving ourselves our own knowledge and we're deceiving ourselves. So the first material we need is a fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. The second thing that we need can be found in Proverbs 15, the 14th verse. Proverbs 15, 14. And it reads, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. I'll read that one more time. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools excuse me, feeds on foolishness. We need to have the heart. You know, the Bible talks about, and the Bible gives example through Solomon, through the letters written to Timothy, where it's talked about how if one prays for knowledge, how one can be granted such. The Bible puts a lot of value in the heart of, for those who are wise. You look at David, who was a man after God's own heart, and Solomon, who came after him and such. And this scripture talks about the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. If your heart is in the right place, if you have a degree of understanding, if, if you have that fear of the Lord and you put on top of that a heart for knowledge, knowledge can be made unto you. Knowledge can come to you. We can, you can know, you can learn, but you have to have that right heart. If your heart is hard instead, such as Pharaoh, you never get it. You never get it. Pharaoh had the knowledge readily available to him in a very tangible way in the form of ten plagues, but he never got it because his heart was never in the right place. Pharaoh did not have a heart of understanding. Pharaoh had a heart of pride. And what that led to was ultimately his and his people's demise. The same applies to numerous kings uh, that you find throughout Israel's history. There were those uh, few in Judah who were able to have a heart of understanding, particularly a couple of the young ones that saw what their fathers did and didn't want to follow in their footsteps. But the vast majority of them, and all of them for Israel, did not have that. They didn't have the fear of the Lord. They didn't have a heart of understanding. They had a hard heart. And they had a, what, a, fear, a fear of not being successful or of not controlling the people. And what that did was bring them down on a repeated and on a regular basis. They did not learn. They did not have knowledge because their heart was not in the right place. If we're going to have knowledge, we need to have the fear of the Lord. And if we're going to have knowledge, we need to have the heart for understanding that we may have knowledge. Those two things are required. Those are our materials. So with those materials in hand, with a fear of the Lord and with a heart for knowledge, what's the technique to get it? Well, how do we, how do we get the knowledge? now that we have the right materials. Well, let's turn over to Proverbs 12. 12, 
reading from verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. We say this to kids all the time, to children all the time. You know, you need to listen to your parents. You need to learn. You need to do this. You need to do that. And there's truth to that. They do. But like Robin said when he was leading the Lord's Supper earlier, we also ought to be like children. When the Bible corrects us, when the Bible tells us what to do, when a friend corrects us, when life corrects us, we ought not to be obstinate and say that we're the ones doing it right and someone else is telling us that it's wrong. It says that whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. We need to love instruction in order to gain knowledge. To love knowledge, we need to love instruction. Uh, you can always tell the difference. At least one thing that I've said with some of my peers as we've, as we've grown into adulthood, you can tell the difference between those who were raised with instruction and those who weren't, who were told, you know, do as you want. You can really tell that difference when you come into that young adulthood because there, 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 there are those who did not love instruction and you can see it. And that goes on even beyond my age. And as time goes on, you can tell those, those who, when the manager says, you know, maybe you could do it like this. Those who will further their own way and those who will learn and then surpass that. You can tell from the managers who, when an employee says, hey, what if we tried this? Versus those who prefer to just go forward and not be instructed in anything at all, even if they may have less experience in a certain field than somebody else, just because they're below them. We see this in all areas. You see this in sports, if you've ever played sports. You've always seen those players who the coach will try to tell them what they can do in a play, how they can do that better, but they're not concerned about that. They're concerned about themselves and end up sacrificing the team for their own sake. And then at the end of it, they're like, oh man, why didn't you guys listen? Why didn't that work? Why didn't yada yada? When it was they who were not listening to instruction. Oftentimes, when we don't listen to instruction, when we despise instruction, that, that's what this is really about. This is not even listening to instruction. It says he who loves instruction. When you do not love instruction, when you despise it, you end up leading your own path and you end up in a very narrow-minded way of living, one that can easily lead us astray, whether it be work, whether it be school, whether it be anything else. Instruction is useful. Unless any of us can claim to be omnipotent, then we will always have a fellow man who can help us learn more. And we will always have the Bible which can help us learn more. The key is that, the thing is, instruction is all around us. Instruction is all around us in every facet of our life. The key is to love it. The key is to have a desire for it. The key is not to you know, try to stray away from those who have any instruction to offer. Whether it's somebody our age, somebody younger than us, somebody on a lower rank than us, the key is to love that instruction. It's, it's an idea of yearning to learn more. You know, there's a difference between positive criticism and negative criticism, of course, but all criticism is a form of instruction. You can tell the difference between those who are yearning for it and those who don't want to hear it. There's a difference in the level of, of product that they make. And, the product of our lives should reflect those who love instruction from all around, especially from the Word of God. In Psalms 19, we, we see another technique in Psalms 19 of how we, can, how we can get this knowledge. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Psalms 19, verses 1 through 4. It, it reads, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The line has gone out through all the earth, and there are words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run his race. 
we notice there in uh, verse 2 where it talks about day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech or language where the voice is not heard. This, this, is a, this is a place where we often use to talk about how beautiful the world is, how the heavens declare the glory of God, etc. But it also very clearly talks about how we can learn from the world. How, you know, while the heavens declare the glory of God, that glory of God is something that we can gain knowledge from. Everything that has ever been understood about the way our bodies work, the way the world works, the way things work, the reason I can hold this phone, the reason that you know, such, a, such a cup can be fashioned is because of people who have looked around at this world and gleaned knowledge from it. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, much of the wisdom Solomon imparts, much of the sociological wisdom, society wisdom that he gains there, he talks about things that he's seen throughout the world, things that he's seen here and there, here and from. We are part of that creation in the world. We are, as well as the world around us. Knowledge can be gained, quote, through all the earth. That is another technique. One does not have to, uh, one, does, one, one can gain knowledge from the word of God. One can gain knowledge from each other, but knowledge, one can also gain knowledge from all that is around. God has given us this earth. If we can gain knowledge that there is a God, we can gain knowledge of other things through the earth. I don't think it's an accident, you know, that analogies can exist. I don't think it's an accident that we can create an idea and a concept that lines up with how things work in real life. You would almost think that if this universe had made itself, if everything was random, analogies would be impossible. You would never be able to create some kind of correlation, a direct correlation between the way things work in the, in the physical world and the way things work and the way we communicate with one another. I mean, this, this is just a personal thing, but I think there's a certain level of design in the fact that you can create a direct connection between a truth of our life and the way the world works around us, the way physics works. There's, there's something to be said about that. Even beyond that, just, and, and you know, some of Proverbs is practical wisdom, not just wisdom about us, but practical wisdom about how you should go about your life. And we can learn a lot from that if we open our eyes and take a look at the world around us. There's so much to be learned. That's, that's why we have much of the technology we have today, and it's why we can't have much of the peace that we have today. You know, it's, it's uh, to, pit, to pit my mother out there, a little quickly, she told me that when she was young, she did not get spanked very often. It's because my uncle, Ron Dunbar, got spanked very often. <laughs> she did not have to get spanked to know the difference. She was able to see the world and be like, oh, that's how that, happens. that's how that happens, that's how that works. Let me learn from it. The same is true for every one of us. You do not have, we can observe the world around us, society around us, the people around us, and learn very much from it. Through all the earth, there is knowledge. Through different societies, different medicines, different ways of going about everything that you can possibly imagine exists throughout the earth. And we should be open to learning from it, to gaining knowledge from all the earth. Uh, a third technique here can be found in Proverbs 10, 14. Proverbs 10, 14. You know, we know that we need to love instruction from Proverbs 12, 1. We know that we can get knowledge through all the earth from Psalm 19. And Proverbs 10.14, it reads, Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. This third technique I'd like to mention here is that we ought to store up our knowledge. It's, you know, if you have a giant pool and you're always putting water in it, but there's a hole on the side, you don't net, there's no net growth, there's no net gain there. You lose it all anyway. You know, if you love instruction, if people can instruct you but they have to instruct you about the same thing a week from then. Have you really gained anything? 
if somebody says, you know, hey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't speak like that. It, it offends some people. You're, you're the way, you don't have to uh, take them aside next time you correct them. Maybe not correct them from full public. And then you end up doing the same thing again next week and you're creating further problems. Are you really growing in knowledge? If, somebody's, if, if you see that if you speed in this area, you get a speeding ticket, and then you do it again the next two weeks and get more tickets, are you really growing in knowledge? You're observing the earth, but are you, are you really growing? Part of knowledge... Uh, for part of our knowledge growing comes from us storing it up. We have to make sure that, you know, we're not this, the kind of person that makes a mistake two, three, four, five times. I'm sure you've all heard the, the saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. That applies to knowledge. We need to make sure that when we learn something, we don't just go like, okay, yeah, but that we really learn it. That we really learn it. We shouldn't be living life as people who are taking a, their first test in biology where they forget all, uh, everything right after the exam. We should, that's not how we should be living our life. The Bible talks about people who have gray hair being wiser. The reason that's supposed to happen is because those who have lived longer should have stored up more knowledge. Granted, we all know one or two people with some gray hair that aren't the wisest among us because they chose not to store it up. And we, that, that's really what it comes down to. When you receive instruction, can you keep that instruction and then grow from it? Or are you going to be like Saul who, after he disobeyed Samuel and the Lord, continued to go further down the wrong path. Versus David, who took the instruction after he did what he did with Bathsheba, and then grew from that later on and continued to be a man after God's own heart. When you observe things throughout the earth, are you going to be one who can learn from it and who can store that up and to gain more knowledge? Or are we going to be bouncing around saying, oh, that's cool, all right, time to forget it, on to the next day. We have to make sure that we don't live necessarily our lives day to day but in a long spectrum of gaining closer and closer to the wisdom that God can allow us to get. We have to store it up and we have to keep it. That's the difference between, you know, being an NBA player and staying in the rec league. That's the difference. We have to make sure that we gain our knowledge, that we store it up. So how do we get knowledge? You know, we know what knowledge is. How do we get it? We get it, first of all, we need the materials. We need the fear of the Lord and we need to have a heart in the right place so that fear of the Lord can grow in us. And then we need to have the techniques. We need to love instruction from each other and from the word of God. We need to observe through all the earth, both in other societies and other places and in the physical things that we can see throughout the animals and the things that the Lord has made. And then we need to store it up. We need, every time we read the Bible, you know, we talk about how there's always something more you can get. That's correct and that's true, but we shouldn't have forgotten the things that we read at first. We need to store up our knowledge. We need to add unto it, not just get something new both in the knowledge from the scripture, from each other, from the world. We need to have a heart in the right place, a fear for the Lord. We need to love instruction, and we need to gain knowledge from all the earth. So we know what knowledge is, and we know how we can get knowledge. Lastly, I want to talk about why does knowledge matter? And at first, when I thought about including this point, I, I thought that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of pointless. We all know why knowledge matters. That's like saying, why does food matter? Because we get hungry, duh. But there's, there's really more to it than that. There's more to it than that. But let's go ahead and knock off some of those simple things. Why should knowledge matter? Well, for one, it makes life better. Uh, Proverbs loves to talk about this one. Let's take a look at Proverbs 18, verses 15. Proverbs 18, 15. It reads, The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We know that the prudent acquire it, and the wise seek it. 
And you can flip that in, or, in other words to say that those who seek knowledge are prudent and are wise. We should want to be prudent and wise. That part is very simple. Why is knowledge good? Why does it matter? Because it can grant us wisdom. Not, you know, some people say wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge, and that's a whole other step. But you have to have the knowledge to use in the first place. So it gives one wisdom and can make one prudent. It can make one fruitful in things they set their hand to. Furthermore, there's Proverbs 24.5. Proverbs 24.5, which reads, A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. We've seen in Proverbs that one who has knowledge is one who's increased in strength. And I don't necessarily mean you're going to become Dwayne Johnson. I think we, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. We all, we all understand that's not what that means. Uh, it's talking about being stronger in the non-physical sense. You know, have you, ever, have you ever seen those people? I'm sure that we are sometimes those people who when life hits us hard, we get knocked down. But to quote Rocky Balboa, sometimes it's about how many times you can get back up. That's the strength this is talking about. Who can withstand the things of life. It's very easy, you know, let's say you're going from a location, from here towards, you know, somewhere in Alabama, since so many of you are from there. Um, let's say you're going there, you got your Google Maps set up, you take a wrong turn, your Google Maps can readjust and you can keep going because it has that knowledge. But if you're going there for the first time, you have no navigation whatsoever or at all, you take a wrong turn, and it's very easy to be a little bit shaken. It's very easy to have less strength, less fortitude, because you've just lost everything. The same applies to our life. As we go by and by, when you have further knowledge, you know those, quote, backup plans, or when you have a, a greater understanding of a situation, it's easy to walk forward with less fear, to have more strength in what you do, because you have that knowledge. Knowledge is good because it increases our strength in our life. There's a very different, very big difference between your first day on the job and a year from then. Because a year from then, you have more knowledge, you have more strength, you're stronger in what you do. There's less fear about you, less com more confidence about you. It's, it's a simple uh, concept that we understand. Furthermore, there's Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, verses 10 through 11, which read, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. We can be preserved and we can be kept. You see this all the time with, with those tragically who don't have knowledge, who live a life without one and terrible things happen because of that. And you know, their lives are not preserved and kept, whether it be hardship that comes upon them or in the most tragic of cases, a loss of life. This is, I'm convinced, why we read the, the first, quote, commandment with promise that those children who listen to their parents can see days of life because they have that instruction, they store it up, and can be preserved and kept, to use the, the language of Proverbs 2. Uh, those who live their life with knowledge can continue to live their life and continue to live it well. They can be kept. It's, 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 it's simple. If you want to, if you have white shoes and you want to keep them not muddy, you know not to step in the mud. But if it's a rainy day and you don't know to not step in the mud, you might and your shoes will get muddy. That exact same concept applies to all the things we go through life. When various troubles come our way, as they do, you know, to quote our own Lord, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. When that rain falls, will we know not to step in the mud? That depends on the knowledge that we have, the knowledge from one another, the knowledge from the world, the knowledge from the word of God. We have to make sure we're equipped to know what areas in life, what things we ought not to do, what things we ought to do, so that we don't end up in a situation with the blind leading the blind, or ourselves leading ourselves. But if we can have the word of God and his knowledge leading us, then we will be able to walk and keep our white shoes clean.
Or you could just not wear white shoes. That's, that's also an option. I, I, don't, I don't like wearing white shoes, but you all understand what I'm trying to say. You can take a look at Proverbs 2 and 3, the whole, the whole chapters. You know, I've been dancing around Proverbs a little bit, and I haven't really taken much from there because in, in their entirety, Proverbs chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 3 talk about this kind of thing. Why knowledge matters? Because there's so many reasons. It's almost implicit why knowledge matters. It's, it's, right, it's, it's obvious. Knowledge matters because the prudent, it makes us prudent. It makes us wise. It increases our strength. It can preserve us. It can keep us. And it can do about 500 other, thi 500 other things that Proverbs 2 and 3 talk about. But there's a couple other things, too, that matter as well and why knowledge should matter to us. If you take a look at uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12. You know, I'm, I'm here talking about how knowledge can make our life better. And Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, For as wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. For wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Personally, to make sure I had the correct understanding of this verse, I had looked at it through a couple of different translations. I wanted to make sure I understood it properly. And it's, it's, it's a very potent verse. You look at the earlier context of this chapter in Ecclesiastes, and even a few chapters earlier, the way Solomon talks about knowledge and money and various things about life, and then look at how it culminates here in this verse. Frankly, money is a defense. It's very easy to buy a new car if you have a lot of money if somebody hits yours. It's very easy to buy new white shoes if you need to. But you can only buy so much. And that is why he says, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Both wisdom and money can be a defense. You can be smart and not step in the mud, or you could use money and buy new shoes. But the difference is that he who has that knowledge has life in that he doesn't have to constantly enslave himself to buy new shoes. And not only that, but he has a reason to walk. He has life. He has something to walk for. If you have that life, if you have that, and that's why it says the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Wisdom gives back. Money you can give. Money you can give to absolve your situations, however some of them can be. But knowledge, wisdom, knowledge gives back. And that's, that's the excellency of it, that it does something for us. But money, money can only be used. Knowledge can use us so that we live a better life for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, and ultimately, and most importantly, for God. It gives, uh, the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Money doesn't do that. And that is the difference. That is the difference. It gives us life. So we know knowledge, knowledge matters because it makes life better. It gives us prudence. It makes us wise. It increases our strength. It preserves us. It keeps us. And it gives us life. But wisdom also matters for another reason. Knowledge also matters for another reason. And that it gives us protection, which is arguably sometimes more important than the betterment of life that it can give us. What I'm talking about can be found in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, beginning at verse 14. We know that knowledge matters because it makes our lives better, but it also matters because it protects us. And Peter says here in this context, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, 
as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That part is intricately important. This part of the scripture talks about those who are, quote, untaught and unstable, twisting the word for their own destruction, and frankly, for the destruction of anyone who was to follow them, with the blind leading the blind, or with wolf in sheep's clothing. That's why Peter writes to them specifically, encouraging them to beware, and that's what it comes down to. Knowledge allows us to beware. You cannot beware of the wolf if you do not know that wolves are a thing. You cannot beware of a wolf if you do not know the difference between a wolf in sheep's clothing and a sheep. You cannot beware of where you're going if your eyes are closed and you are following the blind. That is why this, this matters. Knowledge matters because it is protection. We have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not in the grace and the knowledge of our favorite guy, not in the grace and the knowledge of the most charismatic fellow, not in the grace and knowledge of the new idea of the century. We have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for our own protection, for the protection of our soul, and not just that, but for the protection of those that might otherwise fall to those who are untaught, those who twist the word, who twist, to quote Peter, the words that they had spoken, as well as the rest of the scriptures. People do that. Some people do it intentionally for personal gain. Some people have an earnest heart but don't have, and have that virtue, but don't have that knowledge yet and do it on accident, at which point we can bring them towards the truth. But in either case, whether it's somebody who has the heart and virtue and not the knowledge, or if it's somebody who knows very well what they're doing, we have to make sure that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, lest we be led astray, lest others be led astray. We have to be there with knowledge for our protection, for the protection of the church, for the protection of our family, for our friends, for our loved ones. We have to have knowledge. Knowledge is not just a sword, but knowledge is a shield. Knowledge is armor for us. Furthermore, there's the popular verse that's often used, Hosea 4, Verse 6, Hosea 4, verse 6, which reads, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Again, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. I've heard this verse used a couple times, I'm sure you have too, about why we should, why we should learn what we need to learn so that we don't be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But this applies at least in twofold. Not just in this life, but in the next one. Knowledge is important because without it, we can be destroyed. Without it, if we don't have the right heart for knowledge, if we don't have a fear of God, we can be destroyed. We can be taken advantage of, in this life, as Ty Lopez has numerous people and be destroyed therein, or we can be taken advantage of 
and be destroyed as unto the next life with blind leading the blind or wolves in sheep's clothing. Knowledge is integral for our protection because we need to beware and it's integral because we can be destroyed for a lack of it. That's why we need knowledge. Yes, knowledge can make our life better. Yes, it can do so much for us, but we need it not just so we can run faster, but so that we don't fall. We need knowledge so that we can run standing upright as we run for the finishing of our faith. So uh, that, that's, that's really what I wanted to bring to us today. Why, what, what is knowledge? What is knowledge? Why does it matter? What is it exactly? What, is that, what does it mean by knowledge? Why doesn't it use the word wisdom? What is knowledge? How can we get it? What are the things that we need? We know we need the fear of the Lord. We know we need a heart in the right place. And we know that we can use a love and instruction, all the earth, and a storing up of that knowledge in order to increase in it. And then it matters because it can make our lives better. In every facet, knowledge can never hurt. And because we need it for our protection. We need it to beware. And we need it because without it, we can be destroyed. So brothers, sisters, May we delve further into knowledge. May we learn more. May we pursue it. May we love instruction so that we can be better people in our lives, better Christians together, better citizens, better men, better women, better husbands, better wives, better children, better people. May we pursue knowledge. And uh, eventually add on to that self-control and more and more things so that we can come onto the divine nature. Knowledge is part of the nature of God, as we find in 2 Peter 1. So to gain knowledge is to gain closer to him, which should be our ultimate goal. If for any reason you uh, would like to come forward and ask for the prayers of any of the individuals in this group, please do so as we stand and sing the song. <laughs>